Welcome to Peace by Believing with John Redmond, Associate Pastor of First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas. If you can, please open your Bible to Matthew chapter 1 as our senior pastor, Dr. Charles Redmond, shares a message titled, An Old Story That Never Gets Old. You know, one of my favorite Christmas stories, and I'm sure you have yours, but one of my favorite Christmas stories is Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. You know, it's an old old story. Charles Dickens wrote the Christmas Carol, A Christmas Carol. He wrote it in 1843. Now, that's a long time ago. But now listen carefully. It's one of my favorites, but it's not my number one favorite Christmas story. My favorite Christmas story is the story of the birth of Jesus Christ. It was first told by God's mouthpiece, Isaiah, listen to this, about 700 years before the birth of Christ. In Isaiah chapter 7, you can read it later in verse 14, Isaiah gave that prophecy about the birth of the Messiah, the birth of Christ. Then, about 700 years later, give or take, an angel told Joseph the Christmas story. Interesting. And then a little before that, the angel Gabriel told Mary the Christmas story. And so what we're going to do this morning, we're going to look at what I think is probably your favorite Christmas story as well. In the Gospel of Matthew, if you'll open your Bible to Matthew chapter number 1, and let me just say as a matter of information, and you're just some things we just need to know. You know, when we think about the Bible, the Word of God, like where do you read the Christmas story? Where do you read the birth of Jesus Christ in the Bible? Well, really, in Matthew and in Luke. Mark, you ought to remember this. Mark never has anything to say about the birth of Christ. The Gospel of John has one verse, John chapter 1, verse 14. says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory full of grace and truth. That's, that's His in one verse. That's His Christmas story. But in Matthew, what we have in Matthew, we really have a record of the big picture of the birth of Jesus Christ. If someone said, just, I just want to know, it, it's just kind of like if this Christmas carol, I was telling Charlie Joe this morning, I said, Charlie Joe, just tell your teacher in one simple sentence what this story is about. It's about a man named Ebenezer Scrooge and his miraculous transformation, period. Now, you, it takes you longer to read the book than that, but that's it. Now, in Matthew, we just have a big picture of the birth of Christ. In Luke, an angel told Mary some more details about how this was going to happen. And we're going to look at that this morning. So let's look in Matthew. And I'm reading today from the New Living Translation. And let me just simply say this. There's no one translation I could read from that everybody has because there's just so many translations. But 
In my daily Bible reading, I read from the New Living Translation. I normally preach from the New King James because you can follow easier. My sermon today evolved out of just my daily Bible reading. In other words, I didn't sit down one day and say, now I've got to get up a sermon about Christmas on the first Sunday in December. Well, you know, that's one way to get up a sermon. I'll tell you when a better sermon develops. It's when the preacher's just reading the Bible, not looking for a sermon, just looking at what God says, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit illumines something that just jumps up off the page. And I'm going to show that to you this morning. For I saw something that I never had quite seen exactly as God showed me. And I want to show it to you this morning. But first, let's just read in Matthew, in chapter number 1, in verse number 18. Now, this is how the Holy Spirit of God inspired Matthew to tell what happened about the birth of Christ. He says, this is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. Now, your old translations say betrothed. You know, engagement in this particular time, not like engagement today. Engagement in these days was exactly like marriage with one exception, no sexual relationships, not until marriage. But otherwise, it was exactly the same. Like you couldn't just nonchalantly end an engagement. You had to actually go through a divorce process. And some of your translations will explain that. So she was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man, did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. So the angel told Joseph, the child's sex, he's going to be a boy. He's going to be a son. Told him the child's name, his name going to be Jesus. And he also told Joseph the child's mission, what the child was going to do. He'll save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. That's Isaiah's prophecy in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Now, verse 27 says, when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded. He took Mary as his wife, but he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. Now, that's Matthew's record of the Christmas story. Now, before all this took place, an angel told Mary the Christmas story. And turn over in Luke, if you will, in Luke chapter 1, and we're going to look down in verse number 26. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee. Let me just stop quick and say a word about Nazareth. 
If I were going to sum up Nazareth in two words, those words would be remarkably unremarkable. That would sum up Nazareth. Nazareth's a little village. We go there on our Holy Land trips most of the time. But in this day, the Romans had a military garrison in this little village. And the Jewish people looked on it as really like an unclean place. It was looked kind of down on. Well, that's where, that's where Mary lived. And this angel came to this virgin Mary, and she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Do not be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. Now look carefully in your Bible. The angel said, you will conceive. Now look, she's not yet conceived. She's not yet pregnant by the Holy Spirit. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will. This is all going to happen later. You will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Now, Mary did what you would have done, what I would have done. She responded with a question to all this. She asked the angel, how can this be? I'm a virgin. Honest question. Well, the angel responded. The angel replied, said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and so the baby to be born will be holy and will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. Now, here's the verse. Watch this. For the Word of God will never fail. In many of your translations, Oh, you, you, you find that, for nothing is impossible with God. Many times I hear people say that. You know, the Bible says nothing is impossible with God. Here's where they get that in the Bible. You ought to mark it in your Bible if you have that translation. But then I want you to look in verse 38. This is what I saw I'd never seen. Mary responded, I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. Then the angel left her. Now, in your translation, it may be, verse 38, let it be to me according to your word. Let it be to me according to your word. You know, I looked at that, and I thought about that. The angel had revealed the plan to Mary, and here's the deal. This is what I'd never thought about. <laughs> Actually, she had a choice. Now, here's what she chose let it be to me according to your word, or may everything you've said about me come true. Just in a nutshell, her word was yes. The angel said, this is God's plan. And how did she respond? She responded, let it be to me according to your word. She responded, yes. Okay. But here's what I've never thought about. Maybe you have. She could have responded no, I'd never thought about that. I read that verse. 
let it be to me according to your word. In this translation, may everything you've said about me come true. She had just heard the plan of God, and now what she says, okay, I've got it. This is God's plan for me. My answer, okay, yes, let it be according to God's plan, according to God's word. But she could have said no, because why? Because at this moment, she was not pregnant. She was not ready to have a child. Now, take your bulletin. I want to quickly fill in the blanks, and then I want to talk about some things that I see from this that apply to you and to me now. You know, as I think about this, if you just jot it down, God's plan for Mary didn't just happen. Now you say, well, what are you talking about? Well, God's plan for Mary was offered. This is what I'm talking about. Mary could have said no. See, God offered her a plan by the words from an angel. That's what angels are. They're God's messengers. So here comes a word from God through an angel. It was offered to her, but it was not like one day God just said to her, okay, this is my plan. Boom, you're now pregnant. No, that's not how God works. Now let's go to the second little thing. Not once in human history, now think about this, not one time in human history has God forced himself on humanity. Now think with me. God has plans, but he never forces his plans on humanity. You say, what does he do? He offers himself. He offers his plans. And let's just finish filling the blank. God offers his plans to us basically in his word. God offers his plans in his word. And just as it was for Mary, the choice is ours. I'd never connected all that in the Christmas story. Perhaps you have. See, God has plans. He had one for Mary. <laughs> he offered it to Mary through the angel. And what did she do? She said, yes, let it be to me according to your word. She said, okay, that's God's plan. I'm going to obey God's plan. My answer is yes, but her answer could have been no. God never makes people do anything. As I think about that, I just think about people in the Bible. I jotted down a few. Like, for example, Adam and Eve. God had a plan for Adam and Eve. He placed them in the garden. He gave them everything they needed. They had his unusual presence. One prohibition. What did they do? They said no to God's plan. And they paid for it. And let me tell you what else. We're paying for it. Because the sin nature passed on to every person born. We're, we come into this world. We're conceived with a sin nature. Because why? Because Adam and Eve said no to God's plan. I think about Moses. God had a plan for Moses. He told Moses one day, he said, Moses, the people want water. What I want you to do, I want you to speak to this rock. And when you speak to the rock, Water will come gushing forth. You remember what Moses did? He struck the rock twice. He didn't speak to the rock. He hit it. He didn't just hit it once. He, and water came gushing out. But I'm going to tell you what. He said no to God's plan, and he paid for it. He did not get to go take the people into the promised land after all he had done to get them to the brink of crossing over. 
What did he do? He just said no to God's plan. I think of Jonah. God had a plan for Jonah. I mean, we're talking about some main people in the Bible. God's plan to Jonah, go down, get your ticket, and go to Nineveh and preach repentance. What did old Jonah do? You know the story. He went down, bought his ticket, but he got a ticket going the opposite way to Tarshish. And he paid for it. He said no to God's plan, and he wound up in the belly of a fish. And it drove him to pray. I tell you what, if I was in the belly of a fish, I'd pray. You'd pray. But he first got himself in a mess. You just keep going through the Bible. Old King Saul, God, God told him, I want you to destroy all the Amalekites. They were enemies of God. I want you to kill every man, every woman, every child, every animal. I want you to just leave none. You remember what he did? He spared old King Agag. And it says he saved the best of all the animals for himself. And you know what? What he did, he just said no to God's plan. You can read the whole story in 1 Samuel. But he just said, he just said in 1 Samuel 15, very interesting. But boy, look what a price he paid. God said, no, no, no. I, I had a plan for you. I had a plan for you, Saul. But you have said no to my plan, and you will not remain king of my people. And so as you read through the Bible, you read about these people of God. These are real people. And some of them would call, you know, God's choice people. Well, you know, as I think about all that, the Bible is very specific, very clear about many of God's plans. And the fact of the matter is, just as it was for Mary, hear me, the choice is yours. It is. You and I make choices. The Bible's filled with the plans of God. And hear me, there are consequences to your choices. There are. You, you may say, well, I'm getting by now. <laughs> the book's not finished, my dear friend. One day you and I will stand before God. And all these things we think we've snuck by on and said no to God's plans, we will be accountable. And we need to think about it. And I was just thinking about some of them. The Bible says in Ephesians that we're to be kind to one another. That's God's plan. But like Mary, you don't have to be kind. I don't have to be kind. I have a choice. Now, there are consequences to my choice. The Bible says we're to forgive. That's God's plan. Some of you this morning, be honest. There's some people out there that you really have not been able or have not chosen to forgive. You say, well, no big deal. Well, what you're doing when you don't forgive people, you're saying no to God in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said, as you forgive others, your heavenly Father will forgive you. If you don't forgive others, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you of your sins. Folks, that's serious business. I encourage you this morning, don't, don't live another day. Don't let this day pass and you have unforgiveness for anybody. When you do, you're just saying, God, I know the plan is I forgive. Here's my answer. No, I'm like Mary. Choice is mine. I'll do whatever I want to do. Well, 
Yeah, we can do whatever we want to do. God's not going to twist our arm. He's not going to force mankind, humankind to do anything. He gives us a choice. And he gives us the Holy Spirit to help us obey that choice. You know, God's plan is that he be the priority of your life. In Colossians, it says Jesus is preeminent. That means he's to be first. Well, that, that's the interesting. Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God. We put God first. Today, we put bukus of things first. If we're not careful, we do. Many won't be in church today because they put other things first. Now, that's not to say everybody not in church today is not being obedient. I mean, we, you, you get the point. The, the point is many are never in church. But what does God's Word say? God's Word says don't forsake yourself and sin with other believers. Well, yeah, but like Mary, you have a choice. We, we don't have to sin with other believers. You know, we don't have to make God first. We, we rather go here, do that, whatever. And one Sunday, there's not much else on the agenda. We'll go down to church. Well, now you need to think about something. God makes his plans clear. And just like Mary, you have a choice. But there are consequences to those choices. God's, God says we're to pursue peace with all people. He says in that same verse, we're to pursue holiness. That's in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. Without which no man will see God. But you don't have to pursue peace. You can just, you can just say, I'm not, I'm not going to ever try to make peace with that person. The Bible says as much as it depends on you, you maybe can't be at peace with everybody, but you need to do your part. Pursue holiness? Well, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm doing better than I used to do. Well, <laughs> you know, we make up all these little things we say to ourselves, and sadly we begin to believe all those things. The Bible says it's God's plan. We not judge other people. Oh, my gracious. <clears throat> Jesus said, judge not for what you judge your shepherd. That's God's plan. We said, but I don't have to fool with that. See, when, when, we don't, when we judge other people, what we're doing, we're just saying, God, I know what your plan is, but no, I'm not going to do that. Listen carefully. It's God's plan that you be a tither. Yes, but you don't have to tithe. You don't have to give anything. But when you don't do what God says, I want you to at least have heard one time. You say, I don't want to hear it. Put your hand over your ears. For you're going to hear it, what you're doing, you're saying, God, I know what your plan is, but here's my answer. No. No, I'm not going to do that. And let me tell you, he's not going to hack your bank account. He's not going to pick your pocket. He never forces himself on anybody. He just gives us his plan. But like Mary, the choice is ours. You know what? It's God's plan, hear me carefully, that everybody be saved. The Bible says God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But you know what? Some of you this morning, hear me, you're not ready to step out in eternity. But listen to me, you will one day. You're not ready to die, but you will. If Jesus tarries, so will we all. And when we die, we step out into eternity. And here's the thing. This is what Christmas is all about. 
the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He didn't just dwell among us. He hung on a cross, died, shed His blood to pay for your sins and mine. That's how much God loves you. You want how you? Here's how you measure love. You, listen to me. If you want to know about your measure of love for somebody, what does it cost? What does it cost? I'll tell you what it costs God. It costs God His Son. He died for you. Would you like to say yes to God's plan of salvation by turning your heart over to Jesus Christ? Won't you pray with me now? Dear Jesus, I believe that you love me and that you died on the cross to pay for my sins. Right now, I ask you to come into my heart, forgive my sins, and make me a Christian. I ask you to save me, and I trust you to do it. In your name I pray, amen. For those of you who have prayed to receive Christ as your Savior today, please let us know by sending an email to info at peacebybelieving.org. Thank you for joining us today, and we look forward to you being with us on the next Peace by Believing with John Redmond.